Good morning, everyone. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Thank you for the invitation uh, for me to preach today the Word of God. I'm a member of Latinos Unidos and Christa Church, and uh, Pastor Shannon invited me two weeks ago. I came last week, and uh, uh, I noticed that we're studying the, the letter of the Colossians, and we are in chapter one still, and he told me that uh, to preach on chapter one, verses 24 to 29. So I invite you to read with me, and I promise that we're going to complete it today, and then next week will be chapter two. <laughs> All right, let us uh, read the word of God in uh, Colossians chapter one, verses 24 to 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the divine office, which was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now made manifest to his saints. To them God alone to make Known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man mature in Christ. For this I told, striving with all the energy which he mightily inspires within me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds. Please open our minds so we can be more receptive to your word and then we can treasure your word. So we can also, as we treasure it, we can share it to everyone we met. We need to be reminded that we are ministers. And we have a responsibility is, that is to share the word of God with every creature. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Paul had a delightful way of flowing from thing to theme into another in his letters. As he concluded the last section of Colossians 1.23, for example, he referred in verse 23 to his ministry, to preach the gospel to everyone in the world. Paul was a man with a cosmic vision as he put his arms around the world, the entire world. But in this passage, identifies, he identifies himself in very personal terms, in first-person pronouns. For example, in verse 24, he says, I rejoice, I complete. In verse 25, he says, I became a minister. In verse 29, he says, I labor, I toil. This is a very personal message, a very personal passage that we need to treasure for us. We need to treasure in our hearts because we get in and taking a good look on Paul's heart and what drove him and what made him the, the man he was. In verse 25, he says, I became a minister. In other versions, he says, in other versions, uh, you can read, he says, 
I was made a minister. According to the divine office that was given to me for you. Or according to, in other versions, according to the commission given to me. Let's talk about the word minister for a minute. In verses 23 and in verse 25. What does it mean, the word minister? What does it mean to be a minister? Let's try to understand what Paul meant by that. He used the word diaconos. That is the Greek word, and it basically means or refers to a table waiter, well served, but it really refers to the busboy. It is a very common word in the Greek language, used for any service or any type of service, any unskilled service. Paul saw himself as a very common person, a servant. Paul saw himself a common minister. It seems to be that this term is an elevated term, politically and socially speaking. And also in the church, especially in Hispanic church, the word minister, it gives you a, a respect, a higher respect. But what it really means is a common servant. In other parts of the New Testament, Paul refers to himself as an, a slave, or doulas, who is a person who is very submissive, who is following orders, and who doesn't work independently. So if you ask me, well, Anita, uh, what is your definition of being a minister of God, or a minister of Jesus Christ, I would say, well, is that person that is a person who receives orders from God, who doesn't work independently, and who is very submissive. Now with this in mind, what is essentially the nature of our service? What are the component features of our service according to Paul's philosophy? Let's talk about the source of ministry. In previous passages, like in verse 23, Paul was talking about Christ and the gospel. And then he made a transition. I was made a minister. I became a minister. So what is the source? Who made Paul a minister? What he was saying here is that someone acted on him. How this happened? How did it happen? Well, I invite you to read in your homes, because we don't have enough time, but uh, in uh, Acts chapter 26, verses 12 to 18, uh, Paul's testimony on how he became a minister. But let me paraphrase a little bit of this. This is one of the stories I love. It was on his way to Damascus when he was uh, going, uh, he was persecuting Christians. And him and his companions saw a bright, bright light in the sky. Brighter than the sun. And it made them fall on the ground. And then he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul. And this voice was in Hebrew. So God speak Hebrew. Let's learn Hebrew. <laughs> so there was, the voice was saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and he replied, who are you, Lord? And then he said, the voice said, 
I am Jesus Christ who you are persecuting. So now, get up, stand up, because I appoint you minister. I appoint you minister. He was made a minister on his way to Damascus. And the source was God. The God, the Lord God Almighty made him a minister on his way to Damascus. Now, in other parts of the New Testament, such as 2 Corinthians and Timothy, Paul saw ministry as a gift. That was given to him. Not because of his own merits, but it's because God's mercy and by God's grace. God's mercy and God's grace. He didn't deserve it or he didn't earn it. It, it was just by God's grace and mercy. Now let me, let me tell you that I also identify with Paul's experience, a supernatural experience on his way to Damascus. That happened to me 20 years ago when I was on, on my way to a beach house. I wasn't going to Damascus, but I relate myself uh, with the experience because it was supernatural. I was living in El Salvador, where I am from, and I was coming from the airport. I was coming from New York. It was a dark, very dark night, and it was... 100 degrees, you know, the tropic is really, really warm. And my friend picked me up at the airport, and uh, we were heading to a, a beach uh, party. And, and he says, well, we had to go because it's late. We're running late. Let's go. So we were on our road, on our way to the beach house. And I am fastening my seatbelt because I was, it was a warm night, and I was wearing a jacket, so... I unfastened the seal, but and all of a sudden, we saw a big truck coming against us. It was too dark to see it. It was too late to stop the car. So he had two choices, to crash with this big truck and be decapitated, or to uh, crash into a wall. So he did the second, the second choice. We crashed into this wall, and I hit, and I broke the windshield, basically, my, my forehead with the uh, windshield. And let me tell you that my plastic surgeon did a great job suturing my back together, <laughs> my face together. <laughs> he did a great job. But I, I broke the windshield with my forehead, and when I opened my eyes, I saw a big cross right in front of my eyes. It was a bright, bright cross. Later on, I find out it was from a grave. Somebody died there in a similar situation. But for me, it was a sign. It was a sign that God was looking for me. And, and I remember in my conscious mind, bleeding to death, I remember surrendering my life to the Lord. I surrendered there and I said, Lord, please save me. I'm too young for this. I, I don't want to die. I, I want to do so many things in my life. And and I wasn't even thinking about going to seminary. I wasn't even thinking to preach the war. I, I was like, I was living the life. <laughs> like any 20-year-old. But on that moment, I knew that the Lord was trying to say something. And, and I was surrendering my life to him. Please save me. That was my prayer. Please save me and I will serve you. 
And from that day on, 20 years later, now you know my age, 20 years <laughs> later, I'm serving the Lord. I'm a minister of God Almighty. He was the source. He is the source. He is the source of our ministry. Let us not forget that. Verse 25 affirms also that God is the source because it says, according to the divine office. I became a minister according to the divine office or in other, another version says, according to the commission, which is the translation of the Greek word oikonomia, referring to stewards. The stewards was a servant who has been elevated for a high position of trust and honor in the management of the affairs of the household of God's kingdom. You had that stewardship. I saw it in the video. Wow. What a responsibility. It is a responsibility that you and I have to share the gospel. Not only in the church, but in our workplaces, everywhere we go. Once again, let us remember that God is the source of our ministry. Number two, the spirit of ministry is joy in the midst of suffering. In verse 25, uh, 24, he says, or Paul says, Now I rejoice. The spirit of ministry is joy. Do I understand this point? Do we understand this point? I hope we do. We live in a broken heart world, but there is an amazing paradox. At the same time, there is an overwhelming sense of joy by being a minister. I am not qualified, maybe. You may feel not qualified. But it's by God's mercy and by God's grace that you or and I became a minister. Your life is the most influential and livable because you influence people when you share the gospel. In the VBS, for example, you influence all these children. I was thinking, wow, all these children know Jesus. Wow. We are influence, influencing people. That is a tremendous joy. I think that's a cause of joy. When you share the gospel with someone. My joy is related to my calling, for example. Because God made me a minister. Ministry is heartbreaking, but it gave us joy and delight to our hearts. God called us to do this. However, it is very common to hear ministers complaining of being burned out, of being stressed, of being uh, tired. Not in this church, of course. I'm talking about our churches. <laughs> but we shouldn't feel that way. We should be joyful that we, serve, we are serving the Lord, that God put his eyes in us, and that we are serving him. We should be living in wonder, in joy, and in shock that God is using us, that God made us ministers. If you have that in your heart, anything that happened is to God's glory, and it should make you happy. 
Now, Paul mentions also in verse 24, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. There are different types of suffering, such as self-cause, which is the suffering that is caused by my centeredness, my selfishness, my wrong decisions, or suffering that defies any meaning or reason. That is the suffering that happens in the dark areas of our lives, like a child dying with leukemia, or, or a young father having a massive heart attack. Or other type of suffering is the suffering as discipline. For the Lord disciplines him who he loves, Hebrews 12.5. But Paul talks about another type of suffering which is unique and is voluntary in his letter. It, this suffering was for the Colossians and for their own sake, their own benefit. You had to be a soldier ready for battle. There is no other way. You have uh, a strong sense of ministry, and we should have that strong sense of ministry, just like Paul did. He had a strong sense of ministry and mission. And when you really have a strong sense of ministry and mission, meaning and purpose, you can endure all kinds of hardship and sufferings for the sake of your own mission. Paul meant that he was suffering because people hate Christ. The world hate Christ and all those who are representing him. But this is happening today. The world hate Christianity and all their representatives. We as ministers of God suffer for our neighbors, our neighbor's sake. But we can still rejoice in the midst of it. Now we talk about the source of our ministry, the spirit of our ministry. And now let's talk about the scope and the content of ministry. The scope of ministry in verse 25, I'm going to paraphrase verse 25, says, Paul says, I am fully carry out the word of God. To fulfill the word of God, to make the word of God fully known. What does this mean? And in verse 28, we have the answer. Preaching, sharing the gospel, preach all the truth, leave all the truth to all the people the Lord gives you. All the people the Lord gives you. That's the scope. It's not just for a small group of people. It's for everyone, all the people the Lord gives you. The apostle Paul was used to change the world. If you are offering a ministry to God, any type of ministry, Change the world with your service. Give your best and God will take care of the rest. We need to invest in the world so God can take care of it. Now let's talk about the subject of the ministry or the content of the ministry. And this refers to the mystery. You can find this in verses 26 and 27. This refers to the, uh, the New Testament. It is in the New Testament that we found the riches of God's glory. The revelation of his glory, but the most glorious mystery is Christ in you. And this is not in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we have like a, a preview of what's going to happen, what's going to be revealed in the New Testament. 
We preach what is hidden. The mystery now revealed is Christ in you. God not only visited us, but now the risen Christ takes his dwelling in our hearts. Now it is no longer people seeking to relate to God. It is God dwelling within people individually and corporately. And it is the risen Christ that takes his dwelling within, within the person and within the body of the church. And that will be a motive of celebration. Now it is no longer people seeking to relate to God. It is God dwelling within people individually and corporately. This is the mystery that could not only be made known through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we know. We do not need any mysterious rites or any of initiation, or we don't need any special language or mystic experiences. The Church of Colossians was suffering from this. The Church of Colossia was um, attacked by strange doctrines, false doctrines, new philosophies. They were saying you need, you need Christ, yes, but you need a new philosophy. You need Christ and you need to speak another special language. You need Christ and you need to, to have some diet in your food. You need Christ and you need to keep the Sabbath. You need Christ and this and this and this. And this concerned Paul. And this is happening nowadays in our churches. You need Christ, but you need to speak in, in tongues. You need Christ, but you need to do this. You need Christ, you have to have mystic experiences. You need Christ. But what we just really need is Christ alone. We simply need Christ, Jesus Christ. God actually makes his home within our hearts. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. The Son of God lives in us. We preach Christ not outside us, but inside us. Amen? Amen. Now to conclude, brothers and sisters, in verse 29, Paul reminds us that God is at work in us. But we need to pull all our effort and energy to fulfill our ministry and our stewardship. Paul gave it all the energy he had, but always with the awareness that it was God who was at work within him. Let us not forget that God is our source of ministry according to the divine office, according to our commission given to us, who will give us joy in the midst of any sufferings and who lives in us to proclaim the gospel. To him the glory. Let us pray. And Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us that we are ministers, that we have a responsibility. We're not just called ministers, but we have a responsibility and it's to manage your kingdom. Let us be stewards of your word. Let us be those who proclaim your word with freedom and we touch the hearts of people that we encounter in our path. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for talking to our hearts. 
Bless us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.